You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. The title of today's sermon is The Father's Heart. And when I talk about the Father, I'm not talking about my dad in a physical sense. I'm talking about God. And how can we call God Father? Well, we read in Matthew 6, the disciples ask Jesus, how do we pray? And he teaches them and he begins, our Father, who art in heaven. And so straight away, Jesus says and introduces God as our Father, one we can approach as Father. We also read in 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So who am I talking about today? I am talking about God the Father, creator of the heavens and earth, but one who we can approach as Father. And I'm going to unpack this for a little bit today and help us understand what it means to respond to God's heart for humanity. And before I really get into this, I want to make mention of a man who truly grasped God's heart for humanity. And this was a man called Billy Graham, and I'm sure many of you will have heard of his passing away this week. And he was a general of the faith. He passed away age 99 this week, but in his life, he spoke to millions and millions of people around the world and spent his life communicating the Father's heart of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. And just an incredible man of God who pioneered so many works across the world and who will be dearly missed. But there's a quote that I want to just share with us, and it's been shared many times this week. And it was a quote based on one of his heroes, D.L. Moody. And Billy Graham says this, Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. And that is a stirring remark that captures the heart of this man of God. A man who, whose life was based and lived out on the gospel and the hope of eternity. And this should and can be a reality for every Christian. Everyone that says they are a follower of Jesus. Not just for a mega evangelist, but someone who knows that their life is rooted and counts because of Jesus. One day, I hope to be able to say, one day you might hear or read that Luke Williams is dead. But don't believe a word of it. And I wonder, could you be able to say that that is true for your life? I think if we understand the Father's heart that, that you can. And the first element to help us understand God the Father's heart is to firstly understand that He knows you. Turn to your neighbor and say, He knows you. He knows you. As you've just heard from all of the baptism candidates, they have experienced God in a very personal way. They have come on this personal journey and God has broke into their lives in a very personal way. And that is because God, in all of His vastness, still sees and knows each and every individual, sees and is concerned about the details of your life and my life. Now to help us grasp how crazy this is, I, 
I was thinking about our universe, okay? So creator God, creator of the universe. And uh, if we could go to the next slide, I got a picture of some stars. Now, I'm not an astrologer, um, so I don't even know. I th this could be the Milky Way. It could be a galaxy. I don't know. Um, anyway, lots of stars in that picture. And so because of my level of understanding about the stars, I went to Nat Geo Kids this week to find out some facts about stars. There are more stars in the universe than grains of sand on all the beaches on Earth. That's at least a billion trillion. Now, firstly, that sounds like a made-up number. Let's be serious. Um, I got to a billion billion, didn't get that far, so I can't confirm that fact. Um, but if that is not a humbling thought, then I don't know what is. And we read, of all of these stars, we read in Isaiah 40, 26, it says this. Lift your eyes up and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Now we're talking about the creator of all of this. The one that is so immense in his power and might, and yet the truth and the fact of the matter is he knows you and is concerned with your life. That is something that blows my mind. And when you think of that and you look at the stars and then the creator of all of it, why on earth would God care about you? Why would he see you, never mind know you, more intimately than anyone on earth? And in all honesty, I don't really know. But the fact of the matter is he does. You may be sat here and you think, I am in the darkest situation in my life and no one even knows it. I am sat here and I've thought about killing myself and I don't think anyone on this earth would care. But let me know the Father's heart for you today is that he knows you and he is so concerned for you. He sees right into your situation. And he is concerned for your life. He is the creator of it all, and yet he sees you. And he knows you. The creator of it all, who knows the stars by name, and yet he knows your name. He knows your name. For us to grasp and get a glimpse of the Father's heart, we have to understand this. I'm going to read from Psalm 139 to help us get this a little further and and to read from scripture of how God sees and knows us. It might help for some of us to close your eyes as I read. It says this, Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You can go nowhere from his gaze. 
You could be in the worst place of your life. You could have done something you might think is unforgivable, and God says, I know you, and I love you. I know you, and I love you. And A story I once heard that really helped put this into perspective of me, of God's heart for humanity and for each and every individual life. While I was out in Singapore for the last year and a half, there was a missionary that I personally met called Joseph. And he came and he came to speak at one of our missions rallies at Trinity. And he was just an incredible man of God. It was such an honor and a privilege to meet him. He'd done some pioneering work in a lot of countries. And this story was based when he was based with his family in Nepal. And for many of you, you'll know that Nepal is an extremely mountainous country. It's got the Himalayas in. And and so he was doing work of going to small villages in Nepal and planting churches, raising leaders. And one day he's in his home and he's... One of his hobbies to do was look at maps, okay? Not personally my preference of hobby, but go for it, Joseph. And so one day he's in his study and he's looking at maps of the local region and he suddenly sees on the map an emblem, emblem signifying habitation, human life. So he's like, hang on, how have I missed this? And he's looking at this and he's thinking, I don't think I've been here yet. And so he thinks, maybe I could plan to go here on one of my journeys, And so he begins to pray about it. Holy Spirit says to him, Joseph, go now. So he's like, okay, God. So like every good husband, he goes and speaks to his wife. And he says, babe, like, is it okay if I go? She's like, yeah, go for it. If God said, go. And so this is no small journey. He grabs a friend. His friend comes along. They travel for two days by car. They travel one day on foot. And they're climbing, climbing all the way, and eventually they come to a plateau, and Joseph's like, it must be here. This village I'm looking for must be here, and he's thinking, like, I'm so excited to see revival break out in this little village. Man, it's going to be awesome. I don't know how many people are here, maybe minimum 200, maybe 1,000. He, he walks over, the mist clears, and he sees a little tiny hut. He's traveled to three, for three days to get here, and he's, he's like, okay, maybe there's a big family inside. So he walks over and, and, he, and he finds a man, a man on his own, sitting by a campfire. And in his preparation of coming, Joseph had packed all of the Bibles of the local dialects that, that he knew of. So he's got like so many translation of Bibles and he goes to this guy and he's like, God for one life, yes. And so he goes to speak to this guy and it turns out even speaking many languages, they can't converse. They cannot speak because they don't understand each other. And so Joseph's like, what? He, he gets his packs and he pulls out all of these Bibles that he's just hiked up a mountain with for a day with his friend. And none of them is in a language that this man understands. So Joseph, he goes and he sits and they're trying to like smile and communicate. Hey, But he's so dejected. He's like, God, why did you tell me to come now? Why? Why wouldn't you send someone else that can speak this man's language? And he goes and he's thinking of who he can send back up to, to see this man come to know Jesus. And as he's waiting there on the top of this mountain, he, he sat there and the mist breaks a little and he sees a figure walking towards him. And as this figure walks towards him, he, no, he realizes that this is a little boy. And he sees, as this little boy gets closer and closer, he sees that 
His clothes are ragged and torn. He is filthy from head to toe. His hair is matted with what he thinks is just mud, but there is blood there as well. And as he gets closer, he can see a huge gash on his head. And this boy is no more than 10. And timidly, this boy comes to him, comes forward, and, and Joseph beckons him over. And thank God, Joseph engages with him in conversation, and they speak a language that both understand. And they begin to speak, and Joseph says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And this boy begins to tell the heartbreaking story of how, as a young boy, his parents couldn't afford to keep him. And they sold himself and his sister into slavery to a richer family in the village. And he'd worked in this house for years, but something last week had gone missing. And the lady, the owner of the house, she had come to him and she refused to believe that it wasn't him. And she insisted that it was him that took it, but he insisted, I, I haven't taken a thing. But she refused to listen and he was beat really badly and he was kicked out and the whole village had knew and he was pushed out and shunned from the village as a demonic boy. And this little boy, he's wondered, being no more than 10 with no family, no friends, he's wondered and he says, I have come to the mountains to die. I have come to the mountains to die. I can't even comprehend that. Imagining my, my little brother who's just four years of age and only six years between this and a little boy going through this in his life. And as, as this boy shares this story, Joseph begins to weep. And he realizes why he's come on this three-day journey and God has said, go now. Not to preach to thousands on a mountaintop, but come and feel dejected and sit and encounter a little boy and share with him the love of God. God sees and he knew that little boy when no one else cared for him, God knew and he saw. And all it took was someone, a willing vessel to be used by God to go and share that love with him. God's heart breaks for humanity and he's looking for willing vessels to go. And that is a different story and that is the reason I'm here today is to be used as a willing vessel by God and say, Lord, I want to share your heart. And thank God, Joseph told this story and this had gone, some years had passed between us and he took this boy into his care and one of the villages where there was a church running, a family from that church adopted this boy and took him into their care and this boy is now a pastor working in that region. This little boy whose life was broken, yeah, give God praise. This boy's life, it was broken and hopeless. God saw and God knew. And you could be in a place where you think, God, why would you care? But the truth is that he does. He cares and he sees. And with this story, you can just catch a glimpse even of the darkness of humanity. All of this happening to a little boy. If God sees and he knows all, if he sees when we wake and when we sleep, he also sees our darkest moments. He sees our vilest thoughts. He sees our addictions. He sees our rage. He sees our unforgiveness and our bitterness. He sees our pride and our selfishness. He sees it. We have decided to come away from a God that knows us and we have turned our back from him and said, God, I want to do it my way. 
I turn from you and humanity has all made that decision. And what do we see in a world where millions are still separated from their creator? A history of poverty, greed, war, prostitution, empires and slavery, and the list goes on. Maybe these things you would say, I've never been a part of those. It's not that bad, but the word of God tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And this is hard to hear. And there is a consequence for this. For our turning away from shunning God, our creator, there is a consequence. Romans 6, 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. There is no life apart from God. And in our turning away from God, there is death. I'm not talking about physically. We all know we die physically. But forever, for eternity, as eternal beings, we will be separated from God. From all goodness, from all love, from all light, forever we will be separated. But I'm here to tell you that is not the Father's heart. That is not the Father's heart. The good news is the very crux of the gospel, the good news, the reason why church exists is to share the good news of Jesus that he forgives you. He forgives you. Luke 24, 45 to 47 Jesus himself says this, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He sees all of this. He knows us so intimately. He sees our darkest moments. But the Bible tells us that while we were still sinners... God demonstrated his love for us in this, that Jesus would die on a cross. People undeserving of the love of God of their creator, ones that they turn against on a daily basis. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. You don't have to walk alone anymore. He sees all of this, our defiant selves, turning our back on our creator, living for our own glory for our own pleasures, using whatever time we have on earth to live selfishly and build our own tiny kingdoms. And yet he comes and he says, stop. There is a different way. You don't have to long for peace and fulfillment anymore. It is found in me, your creator. I know you and I know what you need. On the cross, Jesus paid the price that we should have paid. Those verses I spoke of earlier, I didn't finish them. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is not the end of the story, and it's not the Father's heart for you and for me. His heart is that we will spend eternity with him. Christ reconciled us to the Father on the cross. One of my favorite parables, Jesus exemplifies this forgiveness. And this is the story of the prodigal son, where the son representing us shuns his father, like each and every one of us, shuns God, who is represented by the father in this story. 
And he says, give me the money that's mine. I'm off. I don't care about relationship with you. I want to do my own thing. And the father in this story, like God, says, son, you're free to choose me or to reject me. The son then lives a life fulfilling his earthly desires, wasting away his money, and eventually he hits rock bottom. And suddenly there is a moment where he thinks, what on earth have I done? I've been pursuing something in my life that can never be caught. Why did someone never tell me this before? And this is where I'm going to pick up from in the parable. Told by Jesus in Luke 15. When he came to his senses, this is the the boy that has fled, the son that has gone and swindled his father's money. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But catch this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And in relation to this, I once heard somebody say that our God is one who walks. Consistently throughout the Bible, he is shown as walking. He walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. We read of Enoch and of Noah walking with God in Daniel, as Pastor Martin preached a few weeks ago, we see someone that could very much be Jesus in the fiery furnace. Even in the fire, he's just chilling, walking. Then we have God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus. Man and yet fully God, who in his first few months of ministry covers over 750 miles. Walking from Nazareth to Capernaum, Judea to Lake Galilee, repeat. But there is one time in Scripture when we see the Father God being depicted as running, as being in a hurry, as being in a rush. And that is when a son or a daughter who was once far off comes to their senses and says, What am I doing? There is more to life than this. What am I missing out on? What have I squandered? And the son or a daughter, being you or being me, coming on the horizon, and the father is depicted as running. The father is depicted as running towards his child and says, welcome home. Welcome home. The father's love and joy overcame any sense of decorum. And in this, the Father representing God, we see his heart for humanity. A heart that doesn't sit on the horizon and say, yes, come, let me pour out judgment and condemnation. But he says the judgment and the price has already been paid on the cross. Come, 
home. Come home. And as he sees you, come into your senses. He is there. He is ready and waiting with all the angels of heaven, ready to celebrate and rejoice when you make that choice. That is the Father's heart for humanity. A son or a daughter who is once far off comes back on the horizon and says, I'm sorry I turned from you. I'm sorry I thought I could make it on my own. I'm sorry I dishonored you. Father, I'm sorry I've sinned against you and I choose to turn to you today. You might think that you've gone too far from God and I'm here to tell you, you have not. Wherever you are, even if you feel like you've grown up in a Christian home, but you like the prodigal have left and you say, God, I don't want this. But today you sit here and you think, what am I doing? You will not be met with condemnation. You will not be met with shame. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He is perched here and he is waiting for you to come home. To come to your senses and say, yes, I choose him today. The final portion that I want us to see so that we might catch a glimpse of the Father's heart is that he calls you. He calls you. I wonder if Lamar could help me. Today the Father is is ready and waiting. His heart is so for you. Not desiring that you perish or choose your own way or fumble along any further. He is perched, ready and waiting. He says, come home. I I have made my declaration of love. But it's your decision. What will you do? Will you respond to his heart today? The father today, he calls you into relationship with him. He calls you to say, yes, I repent of my sin and live him for my own glory. He calls you to say, thank you that you know me, Lord. Thank you that you see me and in spite of that, Jesus, you still came. He calls you to receive that forgiveness today. Church, the truth is, without him, we will not find fulfillment. A bigger car, a bigger house, our kids getting into the the next best school or you heading off to university or getting this grade is not going to find fulfillment. But today he calls you to be content in him. Say, yes, I will find all I need in Jesus. He will supply and meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches. Apart from him, we are condemned to spend an eternity separated from him. But today, he calls you to receive Jesus as Lord and say, I want the gift of eternal life. I choose to turn from my path of destruction and say, Lord, I come to you. Apart from him, we will be plagued by anxieties and worries of the world. The weight of expectation will continue to weigh you down. But Jesus comes and said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he calls you to that today. He calls you to become a citizen of heaven and say, I stand in my birthright. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that is his heart for humanity. Overflowing with love. 
wanting his children who were once far off to return home. And today you have a choice to respond to that, Lord. May I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for us this morning. There are two groups of people I want to pray for today. I want to pray for those of you that have never received Jesus into your life. And for those of you that have once known but have run away from the love of the Father. I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. Nothing scary, but just saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I might not understand all of this, but Lord, I know there is more. God, I know there is more. So firstly today, I want to pray for those of you that have accepted Jesus before, but your life has drifted from the Father. Even today you sit knowing some things are not right in your life, and you have strayed from his path, but today you see the Father's heart and say, God, I choose to surrender to you again. I choose to answer the call and renew covenant with you. I run into your arms again today. Today you want to be brave and say, God, I choose you above every temptation of this world. God, I'm sorry, but I choose you today. If that is you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand to heaven so I can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you all across this place. Lift your hand high. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Any more? Thank you, Lord. You might put your hands down. And the final call are those that have never made a decision to follow Jesus or ensure if you've committed your life to him. Today you want a relationship with your father. You want a relationship with Jesus. You want to closely follow him. You want to know what it is to walk in his peace and walk in his forgiveness and walk in his freedom. You see the Father's heart today and you know that what awaits you is not condemnation or shame, but freedom in Christ to enter into relationship with your creator. Today, you want your life to count for eternity and you say, yes, I'm going to make this decision in my life. If that is you and you want to respond to Jesus for the first time today, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand. Is there anyone in this place? Say, yes, Jesus, thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? I'm going to give this a few more seconds before I pray. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. You might put your hands down. For those of you that have raised your hands either to rededicate your life or to accept Jesus for the first time, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me out loud and follow after me in a prayer. And for the rest of us, if you are comfortable in doing so, please join us and pray out loud with me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you love me and that you know me. I am sorry that I have wronged you. Today I turn away from that life. And I choose you, Jesus. Come and be Lord of my life. May my life be worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I invite us to stand all across this place. In a moment, Sandra and the worship team are going to lead us in a song. But I just want to pray for us and for all of us in this place. The only appropriate response to God's love, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, is to worship him and say, Lord, I am so grateful and so thankful. And we ask, you know, as we, we sing this song, just make your prayer today. Jesus, I realign my heart with yours. God, I come before you and I'm sorry where I haven't responded appropriately to your love, but I do today. So let me pray before the worship team leads us. Father, I thank you so much. God, that you know us and you forgive us and today you call us into relationship. And Lord, we do not take that for granted. That The creator of heavens and the earth knows us by name. And Lord, we are so, so grateful that Lord, in your word, you say we can approach your throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has won for us. And today, we do that, God. We approach your throne of grace with confidence, but not with a request, Lord, today, just with a thank you, God. A thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, that you have seen us, and yet your mercy and your grace are poured out. And Lord, we pray that you continue to use us to be a willing vessel to show your love and your heart to the people around us, God. Lord, we are in a dying world and we need to show them your heart. And so, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, come now and fill us. Fill us afresh. Empower us to be your witnesses, Lord God, so that people can know the heart of God. Not one that condemns or brings shame, but one that brings life and one that brings freedom. So Jesus, we say, come and be at the center again. In your precious name, Lord. Amen.